about 20 minutes, somebody will, oh. Like George. Thank God. Where are we? 63. That's exactly right. You know, I kind of lock myself in. Because if you're paying attention, you might not know what I'll be preaching on other times, but I get in this pattern and I know exactly what you're going to say, preacher. Because we did 62 last time. We're in for 63. <clears throat> Y'all know who Samuel Clemens was? Yeah, better known as Mark Twain. He heard a preacher who was known for his erudition and exposition. And he listened to the sermon. After the message, is, I got a book at home with every word that you said. That's not possible. I wrote that myself. I have the manuscript in my own handwriting. Nevertheless, I have a book at home with every word in it. I want to see that book. So the next Sunday he showed up with another bridge dictionary. You see, folks, we can only work with what the Lord has given us. Psalm 63, let's read these 11 verses. We're in the second book of the psalm. Psalm 63. I don't think I could catch anybody if I said, what chapter? I think we all know better by now. <clears throat> oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Wait a minute. What do I, David, lifted up his hands? I think he was trying to get attention. Now he did it to show honor to the Lord. Everything we do ought to be for the glory of God. Would it be convenient if there was a verse that says, Whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God? That'd make a pretty good Bible verse. What were you saying? First, First Corinthians ten thirty one. Is that what you were saying? Okay, yeah. So the next time you start to do something, and should I do this? Can you honestly do it for the glory of God? It'd really be a shame if you did something naughty, and especially if you did it on a Sunday. You know, we were in one group, and they had that. What is it? What's that heavenly? Heavenly Highway Hymns? It's got some great songs in there. 
But I don't recommend you sing 181. Ain't it a shame to gossip on Sunday when you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you've got Saturday too. And then one of them I believe says, ain't it a shame to lie on Sunday when you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? <laughs> it's interesting how people marginalize truth. But what did he say? I lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When's the last time you thanked God and you didn't hold back? You really were thankful. You know, that's another thing. I make a pretty good Bible verse. In everything give thanks. Think that make a good Bible verse? Yeah. Oh, God thought of that first. He said, we're to be thankful in everything. We are to give thanks. Even if you get up tomorrow morning, you got a flat tire. Instead of saying, that sort of thing. Well, Lord, I know you got a reason, you got a purpose for that. I'm so glad that you care for me. There's a reason behind this. I might not be able to discern. I might not in all my lifetime know why that happened. And yet, I'm supposed to give thanks. I hope you do. I hope I do. I hope we mean it when we do that. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, hmm, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. I think that's one reason why we suppose that the location of hell is below the surface. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion <clears throat> for foxes, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. I don't know if you noticed or not, but uh, there are a lot of similarities between what we read in 63 and what we already saw in the first psalm of book two. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. 42 talked about my soul thirsteth for God for the living God. We have a song, As the Dear Face. Love it when ladies sing that song. Because our soul pants for the Lord. That's our only satisfaction. That's our only ultimate fulfillment. It's in the Lord. It's not in money. Not in notoriety. Not in getting your way about this, that, and the other. It's in the Lord. You will grow spiritually when 
You see that and you live in that. Nothing counts more than the glory of God. Not your pet project or your pet peeve or anything else. And so, I won't go back and reread that, but anytime you want something to remind you of where you ought to be with the Lord, 42 and 43, they, they go together. <clears throat> so very clearly. You may be wondering, where is he going to go with this Psalm 63? Well, <clears throat> like I say a lot of times, that's a lot of good stuff here. Because there it is. With the greatest author, he squeezed so much truth in. But when I read this song, in preparation for this message, the thing that jumped off the page to me is we have a personal God. I hope you never tire of being reminded of that. The Bible is not written like a clinical textbook. There is a God. God made all things. God made me. God made you. We are under God. No, it's a lot more than just statement of facts. David could have said in the most famous of the Psalms, the Lord is a shepherd. He takes care of folks like a shepherd takes care of sheep. That's true. It's not very personal. I think David rejoiced when he said he didn't say the Lord is somebody else's shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. Your child of God this afternoon, the Lord is your shepherd, just as he was David's shepherd. It's a personal thing. You know, sometimes people say, oh, there's an interesting fact over here. I can denote a certain relationship here. I observe that. I'm aware of something else. <clears throat> An artist went through a museum and they saw a painting by one artist and he said, that's an interesting portrait. And he saw another and he said, that portrays certain facts. But then, unbeknownst to him, one of his paintings was on display. Well, <laughs> look at this. Because that's the way we are. <clears throat> Our American presidents are obliged to give an inaugural address when they begin a term of office. And up until one president president of the 20th century, every president from George Washington on talked about, I promise this, we will accomplish that. Our people, this, that, and the other. 
And it became remarkable that a president got through his entire inaugural address and never used the personal pronoun I once. I was surprised to find Teddy Roosevelt. That takes some discipline. Because you know what we humans do? We talk about ourselves. I did this and we did that and, and our people this. Even the folks in East Tennessee, they like to say we humans a lot. And as I read this psalm, I see that David holds back nothing to indicate the personal relationship that he has with his God and we as God's people have with our God. Ours is a personal God. He's not some, was talking with uh, one of the brothers lunchtime, talking about he had, when he was a kid he had a, a toy and it was uh, Tomah, which is robot backwards. I think some people think of God like a big dispensary, a big machine. Put in a coin and you get what you want, and all right, that's the way it is. <clears throat> I don't think too many people would go in the laundromat and say, How you doing, washer? Hey, dryer? Having a good day? No, you didn't expect. But if you hear a voice out of that washer, dryer, you might want to get out right away. That'd be spooked in the washer and dryer to all. And the washer talks to me. Boom, 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 boom. That's when it tells me you get the clothes in, get unbalanced. We come in contact with the Lord. We see Him high and lifted up through a thing we call the gospel. And yes, we preach about the gospel. A preacher is known as a minister of the gospel. Yes, there is but one gospel. But I want you to know that that one gospel is enjoyed, is rejoiced in by quite a multitude of people. It makes all the difference in the world. It's not a sterile thing. It's not something we can talk about clinically. My heart goes out to those of you that work the medical sciences. And I know, especially if you deal with death. Talking with a brother at lunch, and he pointed out that once you go on a respirator, a lot of folks, they don't get off. They die that way. I can appreciate the fact that the people that have to deal with pain and suffering they know it's part of the job to have to face the idea of death. Dad was a fireman. He'd come home and Mom could tell from his expression they didn't just play ping pong last night. He said, well, we had to deal with this and this. And there were so many casualties. So many adults. So many children. And I know somebody's got to compile the statistics. <clears throat> But we're reminded that these are folks, folks with soul. I was asked by a friend to go visit his buddy in the hospital, and it was a Monday. 
And he said, would you mind going to see him? And I said, I'll do that when I have an opportunity. And for some reason, I didn't go on Tuesday. I meant to, and then something came up. The Wednesday was church, so my next opportunity was a Thursday. And I went in on Thursday, and the bed was empty. And I saw a nurse, and I said, where's the man? And she said, he expired. Say what? He died. Folks, when you pass, when I pass, I hope people won't talk about our lives like they're a magazine subscription. It's a personal thing. It should touch us. In Romans, Chapter 1, verse 16. Paul mentions the gospel. <clears throat> yes, the gospel. Tremendous message. We rejoice in it. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Those who know it best want to hear it the best, now, don't they? I feel kind of funny around somebody said they were a Christian and I don't hear about the gospel. Tell me about the angels. Tell me about anything and everything else. Paul got involved. He was invested. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also do the Greek. Move over to chapter 2 of Romans. That was Romans 1.16. Look at 2.16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. It's not just the gospel. It's mine. I've got an interest in it. Christ died for me. When he tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, let me rehearse the gospel. It's the death of Christ. It's his burial. It's his resurrection. It's his according to the scriptures. And he did it for us. Not just for some people. We us. It's a personal thing. And I, I can't get past that. Back up to uh, Romans 1. When Paul begins this, he calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God. It was a thing that separated him. If you go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, he reminds this young preacher that this gospel is not just something, give or take, you know, take it or leave it. No, that's not the way Paul talks. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel. Verse 11 of 1 Timothy 1, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Anyone who's been given that charge, as he told Peter 
or Timothy later, preach the word. Make this a part of your calling. It's not like a hobby you can take it or leave it. It's not some avocation that you can have a passing interest in and then just say goodbye. Put it away. Uh, that was then. This is now. I've got to come into a new phase of my life. I met a guy who was introduced as a former preacher. Really? Former preacher. I want to be known as one who is still daring to proclaim the name of Christ. Might not have a big congregation. But you and all, you and I, all of us are called to be servants, to be witnesses. You ever met somebody? They're a former witness for the Lord. They're a former servant of Jesus Christ. No, you want the Lord to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's uh, pretty important. More than once, Paul refers to my gospel, my gospel. He wasn't ashamed of it. He had an ownership in that. It gripped him. Made him to be reminded. In fact, uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Because not everybody appreciates the gospel that we believe, that we preach, that the gospel that we live in. You know what? It is something associated with us. It's something that some people, they might scratch their head. I might say, that's just crazy. I, 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 I don't know. You, you, you got a, an interesting take there. As I said, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, what's he say in verse 3? But if our gospel be hid, you get some cultist knock on your door, and they want to talk about something that uh, even if they're right, it's not the main thing. You want to harp on this, harp on that. And you just ask somebody, ask anybody, what's most important? And if they say, Jesus Christ died for my sins, I think you're talking to somebody who has some appreciation of what this book is about. But sometimes people get off track. Sometimes people get off on some tangent. We were talking about those heresies in Sunday school. People think, I found a discovery. That's how most cults get started. Somebody comes across something, well, nobody else is emphasizing this, so I'm going to talk about it. And I'll, I'll make my name associated with that. Christ, high and lifted up. Woe is me if I preach not Christ. Paul said, but there are some people, they don't have a clue. And that's why they talk about this other stuff. I mean, no disrespect, but when you go to the circus, you want to see what's in the main ring. That's the draw. And when we talk about heaven, I don't want to offend anybody. But the fact is, the great draw to heaven is not your kinfolks or mine. It's not the angels. It's Christ. You rejoice to see Him. In Acts 7, when 
Stephen was having the life beat out of him. And he said, well, look at that. The angels are going to welcome me. Maybe so. But the thing that was remarkable, my Lord and my God, the Lord has stood to receive me. So the Lord has a personal interest in us. That's why it says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. It's my gospel. It's our gospel. Paul says, I'm honored to have been put in trust with the gospel. It is a sacred trust. It is a noble thing. How beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace. Now, if I took my shoes and socks off, you might think, it doesn't have such beautiful feet. It's not a literal thing. But the fact that you and I have the opportunity to go to people and to give them the good news of Jesus Christ, the only hope for the lost. Sometimes people want to talk about other things. So the God of salvation relates personally to his precious people. That comes out time and time again. And this idea of personal possession, it just jumps off the page. You go through the 63rd Psalm. How many times do you see my? Because the psalmist gets personal. He calls the Lord, my God, oh Lord, thou art my God. You're not somebody else's God. You're not some generic one size fits all. Whatever, whatever, whatever. No, you're my God. Can you say that? I hope you can. I hope you see Christ high and lifted up. Not just as the Savior, but your Savior. You can say, that is my Savior. When Jesus rose from the dead, he knew that there was a guy named Thomas. And old Thomas said, well, I don't know. You guys say you saw the raised Jesus. Unless I can see, unless I can touch, i got to make contact or it's no dice. The Lord knew exactly what Thomas had said. So some days later, he appeared again. And when Thomas saw Jesus, he didn't say, you must be God. You're probably Lord of a people. No, he said, my Lord and my God. It's a personal thing. You see, the child of God says, I'm glad I've been included. We have a preacher friend. I should have mentioned him for prayer this morning. His name's Wayne Gregory. Why Paul is Paul Wayne. So heart surgery he's done? I think so. It's a pretty serious thing. And he wrote a song. He included me. It's one thing for us to say stoically, reservedly, God has a people. Yes, there is a group known as the elect. And the God in the heaven had a regard for the people and he did what needed to be done. Well, that's true, but I don't want to put it that way. You probably don't either. <coughs> when you, and I remember 
kids would say, you know what my dad, dad did? He brought me this toy. He brought me this. He did this. He did that. That's my God. That's my dad that did such and such. How much more should we be bragging on the Lord? You know, all you do is brag on yourself. Uh, that wears out real quick. You start bragging on your, your favorite hero. Did you see what so-and-so? Why they, they knocked a hole in one and our uh, touchdown or one of the other things people get. They're playing a sport, you know, made a goal or whatever. And people get excited about stuff like that. How much more should we be excited about what our King Jesus has done and continues to do? He has delivered us. He's now delivering us and He shall yet deliver us. The Lord is my God. Four times in this psalm He talks about my. He talks about my soul. Yes, the Lord speaks to the soul. But not just some generic my soul. My heart pants for you. My soul cries out you lay down at night and you say, I'm talking now to the God who created all things. And that God is powerful and He is all-knowing and He is ever-present. I just wanted to state those facts for the record. In Jesus' name, Amen. That's not very personal. Jesus said, when you pray, our Father. It's talking pretty personal. And we have some things to get off our chest. We have some sins to confess. Don't confess them to folks. We'll confess them on Facebook. Confess them to the Lord. He said, well, preacher, what am I supposed to confess? Name said, confess your faults one to another. Do you have any faults? Sure you do. You are absolutely. People point them out to me. I had a little kid once. Hey, you're fat. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. I got big feet too. <coughs> yeah, you do. You got big feet. Well, there's two of us. You see, we have sin. We have problems. We have things that just get us all wrapped up, and we get in a mess. Our God, I have a problem. Lord, I'm not going to come to you and say, Joey over here has a problem, or Sally Seward. I have this problem. I'm burdened about this. He talks about my flesh. Did you see that? My flesh longeth for thee. We're not talking about some Joe Schmo down here. I'm talking about me. I long for you. It's a personal, it's a visceral thing. It comes from within. It's like my gut's crying out. I know we just aged it. It's the way it is. It's not just on the surface. It's from my innermost being. Is that how you really regard God? Or is He just some being that created everything and I guess he's running the whole show. You have a personal, a vested interest in him. You can't go, 
to or about that God. In verses 3 and 4, it's so personal. I got my hands involved. I got my lips involved. You see, in the Old Testament, they would take hold of an animal. And that animal's blood would be forfeit. They would sacrifice. <coughs> Many times a man would put his hands upon the head of the animal to identify. Because I sinned. That sin needs to be dealt with. I bring this animal. And this animal's life is forfeit because of me. Why don't we celebrate? Why don't we observe? Why don't we Go to God and slaughter animals today. Well, a greater lamb, the lamb of God, has forfeited his life. His blood has been shed. The price has been paid. Paul says, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Sounds pretty personal. So, <clears throat> is there any call for honoring Him? He said in verse 3, My lips will <laughs> praise Thee. Now, don't go slaughtering sheep and say, I'm doing it because that's what God said to do. Christ is the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world. But you still have our mouth where people can repeat gossip so quick they can tell a story they can tell a whopper they can be the center of attention you want to talk about Jesus Hebrews 13 says I will bring the sacrifice of praise we are to use our lips Marsha knows of whom I am thinking just now it just so happens it was a lady, but men can gossip too. And rather than say, I hear you're a gossip, now that would be kind of a downer. So instead I said, did you hear the news? What is it? What's the greatest news you could hear? What is it? What is it? Christ died for sinners. And her reaction was, you don't want to be that person. The person who is saddened at the, the news that somebody's going to tickle your ear with. It's the great work of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That should excite us. We have people who laugh about uh, I was probably Evan's age when I heard the girls on Hee Haw singing, they'll never catch us repeating gossip. On the hook. You better listen close the first time. They don't say we're not going to say it. They just say we won't repeat it. But they'll tell it with a relish. I got something. Girl, you want to hear this? And guys do it too. Some don't want to admit it. It's true. It's true. And some of the worst ones are preachers, to be honest with you. Look at verse 5. Because 
Our mouths should be purposed and poised to praise the Lord. When you came in that door this morning, did you come in thinking, I am glad to be in the house of the Lord. I want to sing songs that praise the Lord. I want to honor Him. I dare say, I want to say amen. Who do you suppose, suppose is supposed to say amen anyway? Is that just the preacher and the deacon supposed to say amen? Anybody know? It says, let all the people. Are you in his people? You're not birds, are you? No birds out of here? Any lizards out of here? Now if you're a lizard, although the scripture says that's let all that breath, praise the Lord. Lizards breathe too, don't they? So I can't speak too or too much about the lizards, but I can talk about folks. We especially those of us that claim the name of Christ. We can relate to Thomas who said, My Lord and my God. That should mean something to us. It should resonate with us. I don't know a whole lot about music. I like to say, I love the fact my wife can read music and she can read square notes and round notes and triangle notes and all that other stuff. That's great. But I have learned this. You have a tuning fork, and it gets a vibration going on. You bring another tuning fork alongside it, and pretty soon, it's doing it too. And when we rejoice in the Lord, a true Christian, you gravitate toward that. That should be their joy at rejoicing. Now, oh, you believe that too? Okay, that's, that doesn't speak well of the grace of God. I'm invested. And if you're a child of God, you are too. Hope you know that. Hope you walk that way. Not just when you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in church, but even when you're in bed. Now something's going on when you're in bed. Maybe you're just sleeping or maybe having some crazy dream. But that's not a time to say God has nothing to do with this. Look at verse 6. When I remember thee upon my bed, I meditate on thee in the night watches. What do we think about when the lights are out? It's quiet. Sometimes we think about our experiences. Sometimes we think about our goals, our ambitions, our aspirations. But you know what would be best for us to think about? The goodness of God. To rejoice in the Lord. To look back on what He has done and what He's promised He will yet do. Somebody says, Preacher, you're getting on my toes. You're getting on the toes of the guy standing up here too. Because I don't always think as I ought to think. I don't always feel as I ought to feel. You know, that, that's true about some of you too. <clears throat> I'm just saying. <clears throat> Look at verse 7. Because thou hast been my help. It's one thing to say, oh look, he got some help over there. Oh, so and so was blessed, was assisted by that. That's all well and good, but when I need help, it doesn't console me a whole lot when somebody else gets some help. 
If I'm hungry, and somebody says, well, so-and-so had a nice meal. That's nice. What are you going to put on my table? What am I going to have to eat? I'm hungry. I have a need. We all have needs, and the Lord is our help. He's my help. And if you're a Christian, you can say that and mean it. Back in that 42nd Psalm, when David prayed, he prayed to the God of my life. It's an all-encompassing thing, folks. The God of my life. You can't, as a Christian, meaningfully live your life without God. I keep going back to Psalm 10. It says, of the heathen, God is not in all his thoughts. That reminds me, God ought to be in all my thoughts. What is God's take on this? What does God say about this? What does God expect of me in this context? I'm reminded of the fellow who realized that no matter where he went, God was there. God could see, God could hear, God would know. And he cried out, Thou God seest me. You know, sometimes, I don't think it's too late here to mention this without somebody getting their nose bent out of shape. Sometimes people say, You better be good because Santa's watching. Santa, he knows when this is going on. And they. And Santa becomes the club to make the kid do the right thing. Well, <clears throat> whatever you tell your children, that's your business. But I'll tell you, there is a God in heaven. He reveals secrets. He knows what's going on. He knows where you've been, who you've been with, what you've said, what you've done, what you've felt. All of that. And you answer to him in the judgment. You won't answer to me. You won't answer to some grandpa. You won't even answer to grandpappy out. But you will answer to the Lord. Seven times David uses I in this song. But even more important than the author, let's think about the great God who is the author of the word. <clears throat> thy, thou, and thee. That's talking about the Lord, folks. In a personal way. This personal connection. There's anything you might get out of this if you're listening to me just now. <clears throat> it's that ours is a personal God. Not just to me, but He is the one that we rejoice in. And He, don't ever refer to God as an it. Some people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Don't talk about the Spirit as an it. Don't talk about the Father as if God the Father were an it. Or God the Son were an it. Now you can talk about a rock that way. You can talk about a tree that way. You can talk about a false God, Dagon, but not our great God. He talked about him as thee, as thou. And when you say thy, that's an adjective. It belongs to you. It's tied into you. It is through you that I have these things. Six things he talks about real quickly. 
actually seven, but the first two are combined. In verse two, the psalmist's desire was to see his power, not just, I want to see the power of God. I wish to see the glory of God. Now we rejoice. I see his power. I see his glory. You see that here? Coming through loud and clear. In verse number two, to see thy power and thy glory. So, as I have seen in the sanctuary. In verse 3, you know, God is kind and He's loving. And we put those two words together, His loving kindness. How precious is the loving kindness of God? Eh, I guess it's okay. Wrong answer. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. What do you value in this world more than your life? I've got my stuff. You couldn't enjoy your stuff if you're not alive. I got my money, got my reputation, got my adventures, got my aspirations. If you're dead, you're not in this world. You don't have those things. But God's loving kindness is better than life. Because you can lose your physical possessions. You can get kicked in the head by a mule and be goofy in the head or whatever. But you still don't lose your great God. Look at verse 4. He doesn't say, I will lift up my hands in some name. No, it's a personal thing. If I said, I'm going to worship now. Oh, Buddha. Oh, and I call off the names of some other whatever. Does the Lord hear that? Hebrews 11 says, He that cometh to God must believe that He is. And He's a faithful rewarder of them that seek Him. You get His old God, whatever you are, whoever you are, what? No. The God of this book. He's the one that counts. He's the one we seek. And it's his name. And in that, he lifts up his hands. An image we've seen before and we'll see again, the Lord willing, in the Psalms. It speaks of the shadow of thy wings. Now, if you're a chicken, there's a chicken hawk flying overhead. The shadow of the wing of the chicken hawk would probably spook you. But when it's your friend, when it's your Lord protector, if it's the one who cares for you, and the Lord cares for us as the apple of his eye, you are precious to him as his child. Your name is written upon the palms of his hands. My God has never said, Steve Ray, who's that? I don't have a clue. Oh yeah, that's number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. I know him by number. No. If he's given names to the stars, what do you think he's done with us as precious people? He knows them by name and he knows us by name. He doesn't say, hey you! That's not my God. He knows exactly who you are. Was that a, was that a crowd of four other guys named Steve there and I heard the Lord speak. I'm going to look because I'm Steve. He says, George. 
or some other name I might not, but if he calls my name, I'm going to listen because we rejoice in the shadow of his wings. He might not touch you with his wing just this time, but the shadow falls over you. Imagine if you're some little kid and you're out on the playground and somebody starts messing with you. You think, oh man, they're going to clean my clock. And then you look at this person who's facing you down and suddenly, because the sun is behind you, you see this humongous shadow. And hey, my buddy George, he's back there. I'm okay. I got George on my side. Greater than George, greater than any, is the Lord. Come under the shadow of his wings. And then finally, verse 8 talks about the Lord's right hand. Now, whether you're left-handed or right-handed, I want you to know that in Scripture, many times when it speaks about the right hand, it's talking about the hand that the Lord uses to assert Himself. No shame of being left-handed. There are some left-handed people in the Bible. We'll talk about who they were right now, but you ask me, I'll show you something. But the right hand indicates, I mean business. And so, it's on his right hand. We read this. As I said, uh, verse number 8, My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth thee. I don't think God's left hand is a wimpy hand. I don't think that's his weaker hand, but the fact that he uses his right hand, God is invested in us. He cares. Behold, He careth for you. Peter said, probably the oldest book in our Bible, the book of Job. He is the one who tries us. And when He has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know what? Not because I'm so strong. Not because I'm so smart. Not because I'm so spiritual. Because it's the Lord dealing with me. He knoweth the way that I take. <clears throat> you know, I had a friend once who said, in my church, we tell people, your religion is personal and it's private. We keep it to ourselves. I tell you, there's some things I can't keep to myself. I can keep some secrets. Right? I'll just say, no comment. And she knows, if she tickles me, I might tell her. But otherwise, she knows she's not going to get it out of her. But I'd be a pretty sorry husband if I were out someplace and Marsh was with me and said, who's that? Oh, I don't know who that is. But <laughs> she'd probably smack me upside of the head. And I deserve it. It's my life. My joy, my rejoicing. My precious one. I went someplace and somebody said, I think she talks about his wife a lot. Well, if I didn't care so much for her, I would ask her to be bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I get excited about weddings. To hear two people say, we're committed one to the other. 
Man says, she will be my wife. And she says, he'll be my husband. It should excite us. still excites me. But how much more we think of the Lord. So if anybody says about you, well, his religion, her religion, they take it personally. You know what you do when they say that? Say, amen. I got something that means something. I've got Jesus Christ as my Savior. What are they going to say? They're going to say, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Maybe they don't have. Once, once we married, had some single friends, and, and that's nice. You got married, yeah. And then when they got married, they expect everybody to get excited about for them. But it is something that the Lord is pleased to do. Uh, not too long from now, I think we'll find a psalm that says, He set at the solitary in families. <clears throat> Lord willing, we'll get to that. But that's for another day. Let's stand for the prayer.